Well, this concept of faith has been around for a long time. Often when we think about it, we think about it in the context of religion. And the truth is, if you've had any discussion or even any study of faith, there are what feels like a hundred different definitions of what faith really is. And we kind of think of faith in terms of some of its mysticism or that maybe faith is a bit ethereal or hard to understand or even hard to grasp. But the real truth is that faith is something that we do every day, every day. Whether you have been a follower of God, a follower of Jesus, or you're in this place and you're not even sure God is real, everyone is living by faith all the time. Now, how does that work? How does that line itself up with what this scripture is saying here? Well, I think these scriptures begin to give us a a deep and real idea of what faith is actually about, what it actually, its substance comes from. And so I want to just dive into this, and we'll take this mashup of these two scriptures here that this pastor gave to us to understand what it means to have faith. In chapter or in chapter one or chapter eleven in verse one, it says here, we get this beautiful definition that faith is this assurance of things that have been hoped for and this conviction or this certainty, or in some of your translations it'll say this evidence somehow of things that have not been seen. And then you jump down to verse six and you say, and you hear this incredible de- definition, definition where it says here, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because for those who long to draw near to him, this being the seminal phrase, to draw near to him, those who draw near need to know that he is real and that he is good. So what we begin to see from these two pictures is that this pastor's trying to say, hey, you need to understand faith is actually about hunger in the soul. It's about treasure. It's about what your heart is actually looking for. It's that place of assurance. When it says assurance, it's saying, the thing that I know, the thing that I can hold on to, to feel joy or to feel gladness or to feel happiness or peace or whatever it is that I'm looking for, the dead aim of our hearts towards something. What he's describing here is hunger. And this is what I love, this is what I absolutely love about God because every time God is always putting things squarely on the heart. Squarely on the heart. Now listen, we do a lot of knowledge. We love a lot of mind here, especially in the West. And in, in America, we love the thing of the mind. And I thank God for the mind. I thank God for the ability to reason. I thank God for the uh, ability to understand the theology or the study of God and, and apologetics and why we believe what we believe. And all those things are beautiful and true and amazing. But in all of those things, what God is constantly trying to do is he is wanting to point to the heart and say, what's going on? in here so that when this writer is beginning to talk about what faith is, what he's saying is, what is it that you're looking in assurance for, this hunger inside of you, this longing, when God says, those who draw near to me, look, he's linking faith with saying, no, this is not some ethereal thing that you can make a mental assent to. 
like uh, uh, that I know or I believe about or I think that exists out there, what he's saying is no. Faith has to do with the heart and the hunger to draw near, to come in. That's the point of it. It isn't about saying we believe. This is, Satan believes in God. What, he's talk, what it's talking about here is faith actually has a heart component, not just something that's happening up here. One of my favorite definitions of faith comes from a, a, a popular uh, pastor, uh, author, speaker, preacher. His name's A.W. Tozer. And he has just a simple, simple definition of faith. And here's what he says. Faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. It's the gaze of the soul upon a saving God. Now, I I absolutely love this picture because he's trying to get at the same thing. Faith is about hunger. It's about longing, a drawing near. The truth is, in our hunger... Our gaze can manifest on many, many things. And so the question starts to become, where is your gaze? Now, I love that. I actually love this word gaze because it really gives us some insight, you know, uh, into what the Father is actually looking for, what God is looking for when he talks about gaze. When we look, have you ever thought about, we got to do the bonfire the other night. It's like fun, like looking into the flame. You ever been around a pit fire and you're like looking at the flame and you're just kind of like staring at it and you're like being sucked in? Because you're just like, you're, you're impressed with its power, right? You're like, that's really powerful, quasi-dangerous, but kind of amazing, and I'm just going to sit here. I was talking with another guy. We were at our bonfire. You guys, anybody come out to the bonfire the other night? Man, it was so fun. I had a blast. And we were just sitting there. It was like, you know what's amazing about a fire? You can be sitting around talking, and then you can also be sitting around it and just looking at it and not saying anything. It's amazing. Gaze is powerful. I remember uh, the first time uh, I ever saw my wife. Uh, we, I was at a, we were at a worship service, and I was, I was actually just preached. I had just preached, and then there was this ministry time going on, and so I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be worshiping, and I'm just like, oh, Lord, and I just see her, and I'm like, oh, oh Lord. <laughs> Lord. And I see her. She's, she's, she's ministering. She's praying over these girls, and it's this cool ministry time, and I didn't, I just, I didn't know anything about her, so I was just, you know, just like, God, you're so good. Lord, Lord, she's, she's cool. And it just, I don't know, have you ever been in that? You ever been in that kind of situation in worship service? Maybe not. I don't need to talk about it. But, but there's, when, you're, when your gaze gets drawn to something, when you start looking at something with in, intensity, what it does is it, it pulls at the heartstring. And that's why I love this picture that A.W. Tozer has given us about the nature of faith. It's more than believing something out there. There's a pulling on the soul, on the heart, towards something deep that matters. And the problem, and I think that, uh, that this writer is trying to lift up, is that it's so easy to put faith in a thousand things that can't measure up. You can put faith in anything in this life. People do it each and every day. We can kind of begin to narrow down pretty quickly where we put our faith, our place of hunger, by just beginning to ask some questions. If faith is actually about a heart 
position. It's not about like, I believe and I, I can make a mental assent, but there's something in the soul that's stirring. Then we get to ask some real simple questions. I have a few just to give to you, just to begin to ask this question about like where your heart is with faith. What is it that you truly put faith? Not churchy answer faith. I mean, where really is your faith? What do you put it in? A couple of questions. Where does your resource, your time, your energy, your finance, where does it go to effortlessly? Like no big deal because I've got my gaze on that. Where, uh, where do you find yourself working the hardest? Where do you find yourself working the hardest? It often can help us think about where we put faith. And this one question, which is kind of a, a dagger, what is the thing in your life, what's the thing in your life that if you lost it, you wouldn't want to go on living anymore? What's the one thing in your life that if you lost it, you wouldn't want to go on living anymore? When we get to ask these questions, what it does is begin to pull faith out of the air somehow and begin to address where we actually have our hunger, our gaze in this life. So if you were to take A.W. Tozer's uh, definition of faith and just put it in real terms, here's the question, or here's how we begin to see faith. Faith is the gaze of the soul on any place that you believe will bring hope of happiness, which leads you and I to begin to orient our lives to give consistent demonstrations of trust. Regularly, where our lives actually start to be conformed by the thing that we set our gaze on. And so that's the question. That's what I believe the writer is actually trying to get to is he's unpacking and expounding on these followers of God who gave their whole lives to him is to begin to understand it was more than something that they had in their head. There was something in the heart that was drawing them out, that that was the nature of faith. And so that question is, what is that thing? Could be God, could be anything. And so we get to ask that deep down thing because the truth is that whatever you and I give for that, uh, give our hearts for that hope of happiness, the question then becomes, can that thing bear the weight of our faith in it? What is the thing that we look to truly where our gaze truly is set, can it bear the weight of the faith that we put in it? Our faith can go in so many places. We can look for so many things. We can look for people to see us and notice us. There are people's attention, success, or money, or religion, or sex, or reputations, or our intelligence, or our beauty. There's a billion things we keep looking at to find, to answer the hunger, or to meet the gaze, the question is, can any of those things measure up? Will they ever actually answer the cry of the heart? Where do we go for happiness? 
What do we want more than anything? We ask those questions because what we find is that whatever our, we have our faith in, it will waver and it will vary in its measure according to how much we perceive that thing to be great, to be important, to be truthful, to find actual delight in. Whatever the gaze is on, that's what's coming back to us. And I'm here today, and I, and what I think what this pastor is trying to say is, listen, there is one thing, there is one thing that is strong enough, that is powerful enough, that is great enough, that is wise enough, that is good enough, interesting enough, true enough, satisfying enough to throw the full weight of our faith onto, and that is Almighty God, and that's it. That's it. And that sounds beautiful in church, but it has massive implications for our lives Monday morning because we get to ask the question, where is my true and real gaze? What is the true hunger of my life? And can it bear the weight of the faith that you're putting in it, that I'm putting in it? If we place our faith on anything else, I can guarantee you it will be crushed under that. Nothing can measure up. And candidly, that's how we end up really cynical. There's a ton, you guys say, there's a ton of cynicism going on in the world today. Just, you guys with me on that? Like just the kind of world is so cynical about everything. How do we get to that place? We keep putting our hope on some outcome and it can't bear the weight. And you know what that does? It kills the childlike nature of what real faith in a real God actually does in our lives. I think that's what's so amazing for the king of the universe, the most intelligent, brilliant being in all of human history. I mean, in, you, you can't even get your head around his brilliance. And he's going, here's what I need. And here's what I want. I want something childlike in you that just trusts me. It's the exact opposite. What's the opposite of cynicism? It's just a child that loves a mom or a dad, right? It's like whatever you say. Whatever you say, I love those days, especially when your kids are young and they're just like, just whatever you say is amazing, you know? It lasts for like four seconds and then they're teenagers and they question everything, okay? All right? But you have a moment where it's just like, oh yeah, that's what it means to just trust it's the opposite of cynicism and the Lord saying, all right, if you find yourself in a cynical moment where you feel a little bit angry about everything, then this is a, a text where we get to just step back and go, God, would you just recenter something in me that's real, that, that can actually bear the weight of my hope and bear the weight of my gaze? And there's just one place for it. And so the question becomes, well, if we put our faith fully in God and God alone, then what begins to happen where we take all of our hopes and all of our gaze and we put it squarely on the only object that can bear the weight, what actually happens in our lives? 
And I think the scripture is gonna point to two really powerful things. Actually, I think it points to probably like 50 different things, but we don't have time for that, all right? So I wanna just give, give you really quick two things that begin to take place when we are rooted deeply, uh, where our faith is rooted in God and it changes us from the inside out. If, when, when you and I go, God, you're the, I'm putting the whole thing on you, not in the outcomes, I'm just putting it on you and you alone. There's a couple of things that begin to happen and we get to see from this scripture. And I just wanna go over those and then we'll finish. So number one, uh, it takes this kind of faith that's rooted in God alone. It gets to take messy, broken people and it begins to call them up into something far, far greater than they could ever imagine for themselves. When you and I step back and we don't put faith in earthly things, but we begin to put it squarely on God, then what happens is the doors begin to open for what God will do in and through the, the very people that are really messy and broken. Now, if you got to grow up in church, um, and I just read, we just let, read off a list of names when we were reading the text together, and then I, I cut out a whole chunk because it just goes on and on about all these amazing people. If you got to grow up in church and hear the stories of all the people that just got listed out as we were reading the scripture together, what is the one universal truth about all of those people that were just got, just got listed as this, these amazing people of faith who really like, walked in believing in God with their lives? What's the universal truth? They were all an abject mess. Every one of them, all of them. You see the names in this, in these, in this text. Would you see the names in these scriptures? And God's saying, by faith, here's what they did. Trusting in me, they did this. Listening to my voice when they couldn't see the thing ahead. And God's commending them for this amazing faith. And you're reading it and you're going like, dude, I've read the Old Testament. That's not how that story goes. Have y'all ever done that? You're reading this and you go, you're talking about Abraham and Sarah. Are you kidding me? How did they make this list? I know the whole story. They didn't believe, they didn't believe you. They, didn't, they barely believed in anything you said. They, they were constantly going back on all the things they said they would do. I, like, how does this work? And God says, no, 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 you don't understand. You, faith is not about what you're accomplishing for him. Faith is on the object by which you put it upon. Meaning, what he said is, yeah, they fell short all the time, but their faith was in me. Their faith wasn't about their performance or their perfect record. Their faith was, they just kept trusting and believing even when they fall flat on their face. Now, I don't know about you, I read the stories of these guys and I'm like, don't raise your hand, but I mean like, or how thankful are you that like, I was talking about all these amazing people, but all their mess ups are recorded in history for forever. <laughs> I'm just kind of like going, God, thanks that I didn't, their stuff is just laid out there. But the truth is this, every one of us has experienced those failures. Every one of us. We've also radically fallen short. And what God's going is, hey, 
I know you've fallen short. The essence of faith is you keep your gaze on me. You keep coming to me to have your life stirred. You've fallen short. Of course you've fallen short. All these have fallen short. Come after me. That's what's so powerful. When we put our faith in God, our lives get to cease being about how awesome we are and how much success we can achieve or attain. And it starts to just become about his voice over our lives. And let me tell you, there's nothing more than you and I need or want to hear than the voice of the Lord on Monday morning. When you've blown it so badly, fallen so tragically short, the most important thing to you and me is his voice. That's why he's the object of faith. That's why he is the object of our gaze. It has to be him. It can't be anything else. And the Bible's here just crediting these amazing and broken people. Because when you and I have faith in God, it changes and transforms us and it begins to call us up into things that we didn't even think possible. We would discount ourselves. I'm going to tell you, I've had multiple times in my life I've gone, ah, I'm out of the game. I've blown it. And the Lord's been so loving and gracious to say, no, Keith, because this thing was never actually about you. Newsflash. It's just about me. Will you just keep coming? Just keep coming. Trust me. Trust me. Put your faith on me. That's the one thing I think that God does better than anything, anyone else. Well, he does everything better, but the one thing that I just love and treasure the most is what he'll just take our crushing disappointments and all the ways that we feel like we've stumbled or we've failed or we've fallen short, and he'll say, hey, I don't, don't worry. I'm here for you to call you up into a new life. I'm here to make the broken thing new. I'm here to take the heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. I'm here to take the years the locust has eaten, and I'm here to give you a double portion. And that's what he's saying over and over and over to the most faithless people you could possibly imagine. I'm telling you, I love being a Christian, and I love our faith because our scriptures are just chock full of just the most broken, messy people that God is redeeming for himself with gladness in his heart. And that's what he does with us. That's what he does with us. Your messy story is the place for God to say, all right, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to transform and call you up and give you a new name and a new identity. I don't need your perfect record. I need your heart today. And that's what's amazing about faith is if you could even now go, man, I've put my faith in a bunch of other things. I've been looking for another 10,000 ways to try to find hope, places I've put my gaze. What the Lord is saying here is put you today, literally, Bring your record, give it to him. Say, I'm not doing the record anymore. I'm coming after you. I need your heart today. He's saying, just bring it today. Today, brand new faith. You can have brand new faith. Ephesians 2 tells us faith from God's a gift. He's ready to give it to anyone that'll call on him. And he takes our failures and he gives us beauty. That's who he is and that's what he does. And then there's a second way 
that this scripture talks about what faith, what deep faith that's rooted in God alone, what it begins to do in our lives. And that is it begins to anchor our hearts in really glad hope when this life doesn't go our way, when, when, the, when life is dark, when life is hard. If you go back to verse 32, it begins to name off all these people. It's really powerful, and it says they conquered kingdoms and enforced justice, and they obtained promises, and they stopped the mouths of lions. Isn't this incredible? I mean, this, this list is unbelievable. Verse 34, they quenched the power of fire and escaped the edge of the sword and were made strong out of weakness. And women, verse 35, received back their dead by resurrection. But then it just takes this quick, and I mean immediate turn, and it says something incredibly stern that has to touch us on the inside of, of our heart, because it says, but some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. And they were stoned, and they were sawn in two, and they were killed with the sword. And they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. What a powerful statement. There are days where the deepest faith the most beautiful, the most powerful faith will, may not and will not guarantee us a life of ease. It just won't. And I could be the first to say one of those places we want to put our faith and hope in is comfort. But that's not necessarily a guarantee of our faith. And I am sad at times where I think often the, in order to gain converts, the message of Christianity will be come follow Jesus and all your wildest dreams will come true. And there is a guarantee when you and I see Jesus face to face, all our wildest dreams will come true. But there is an hour here on this earth and the reason why faith is so critical and so important and why the writer of this pastor is writing about it right now is to say what happens in here in you right now matters forever. It matters forever. What you believe, what you put your gaze on, what you put your hope upon, that matters right now. And the question is, is, if and when you find those days of darkness or those days of difficulty, what does your heart do concerning God? Do you believe and trust him even if it costs you everything? Now listen, I'm not a doomsday person. I don't live that way generally. I'm pretty generally spunky. Why did I use that word? I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Happy guy. Optimistic, thank you. That's a refined, a mature word to use. I'm 12. So... Um, But I gotta be honest with you. I look around the world around us, and even in all my optimism, it seems like there's some writing on the wall. We have some dark days ahead. In, in some ways, we're experiencing some dark days, darker now and likely darker still. We have brothers and sisters all over the face of the earth that face dark days literally every day. And the question is this, is God worth our faith? 
Is he worthy object of our gaze? If life doesn't go well, will you and I trust him? Do we believe him? That's why he's saying some quenched fire with power and some were sawn in two. I imagine John the Baptist, I think he had some questions. When he's in prison, the forerunner, the Elijah that would come before the Messiah to prepare the way of the Lord, and he's in prison, and he sends his disciples out to ask Jesus, are you the one to come? Because this is in parentheses, not, it's not in the text, but because I'm in jail, and I'm about to lose my head. You know what Jesus said about John the Baptist? You know what Jesus said about John the Baptist? Greatest man ever born of a woman. And that didn't mean he wasn't going to lose his head. What it meant was he had faith to believe and trust for another day ahead in him. Yeah, we're going to get there. All right? We're going to get there. Everybody's like, hey, it's time to get to the end here. But in fact, I do want the team to come up. We're done. Uh, if you, you've heard the story of Shadrach, I'll just finish with this as the team's getting in place. Uh, many of you have heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the short version, if you haven't, go in Daniel chapter two, 1, 2, and 3 and read. But the, the story is unbelievable, and I, here's what I love. Here's what they say. Uh, the king says, you will bow down to me and my idol, or I'll throw you, I'll burn your uh, lives. I'll throw you in the furnace. We're going to burn you up. And they said, not only will we not never ever bow our knee, we believe in our God who will save us. And I love what he says. But even if he doesn't, we're going the full distance because our faith is not in our circumstances. Our faith is in God. One of the commentators that I was reading, getting ready for this, it says, their faith was not in their agenda for God. Their faith was just in God. And I don't know if you've ever been there where you're like, I'm praying for this, and I'm praying for that, and I'm fasting for this, and I'm fasting for that, and I'm trying to get all these things. God, will you do all these things? And, and we get really hurt when we're pouring it out, and we don't see the thing happening the way that we want to see it happen. That's an agenda for God. That's not God. Now, I'm all for praying and fasting and asking God to move and shape and change and do all the things. I believe that's actually beautiful. But if your hope is in the circumstance, then your faith's not in God. It's in your agenda for God. And it's just time for us to give up our agendas for God and just say, God, you're who we want. You get to call the shots. And I'm believing that this would be a church that would quench fire with power. But I also am believing God's building a community here where you and I stand in the face of death and say, bring it on, but I'm not giving up this faith in my king. I believe that's the kind of faith that God is trying to stir in us, in this church. You guys stand. We're gonna finish with worship, but I'm gonna give us 20 seconds to just lay down any idol, any agenda, 
any place that we want to put our faith. Would you just be, just get, if you can just let everything melt away, we'll take 20 seconds. Would you just tell the Lord, here's where I tend to want to put my faith in anything that's not you. Here's what I tend to hope on. Here's what I live my life for. Just be honest with him about it. It's not like he doesn't know. He's looking for your partnership. Just be honest. Here's the place where I tend to want to put my faith, put my gaze, my hunger, my desire, the thing that I want to put my resource and my time and my energy and my hope in. And I just want to give it to you as an offering. Give it to him as an offering. Open your hands and just say, you get it. You get my family. You get my business. You get my friends. You get my future hopes. You get it all. It's yours. Every ounce of it, you own. I give it to you. You are the object of my desire. You and you alone. Would you give him that? Just tell him that. Just in your own heart to the Lord. Say, I'm going to give this to you. Lord, we choose to trust you. We finish in this place of singing your name and declaring our hearts to trust you, treasure you, worship you. Let faith rise up in this heart. Far beyond what we just think with our minds, God. Believe in our souls. Believe in our hearts. Let true and authentic faith move every step we take, starting right now. Fresh faith. If you need it, just ask him for fresh faith. Say, I need it right now. I'm hurting. I need fresh faith. Just ask him. He's ready to give it. He loves you so much. He's not against you. He's for you. Receive it. Receive what he has to give you. He's a good father. He gives good gifts to his children. We thank you, God. You're here to build faith. Bless us and give us your presence. We love you. Let's worship.